It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. I keep thinking about um, Harold and Harold's call and Uncle Sniper or whatever. Sweet. Uh, to help boost his salary, Humphrey frequently took paid outside speaking engagements. He was never a millionaire, and one biographer noted, for much of his life he was short of money to live on, and his relentless drive to attain the White House seemed at times uh, like one long losing struggle to raise enough campaign funds to get there. And then Hubert and Muriel used their savings and his speaking fees to build a lakefront home in Waverly, Minnesota, 40 miles outside of Minneapolis. Uh, He was a humble pie guy. That's too bad that Uncle Swede... uh, You know who else couldn't pay his bills? Who? Churchill. He didn't have any money. And this was before politicians, unless you already had money. I got to go all animals, mostly all the time here. Let's go. I think uh, emailer Terry alerted me to this. This is hard to believe. Uh, Wait a minute. What? During the Second World War, I just saw this, Humphrey tried three times to join the armed forces, but failed. His first two attempts were to join the Navy, first as a commissioned officer, and then as an enlisted man. He was rejected by both the Navy, or by both times, for color blindness. A Swedish zoo has come under fire for its controversial and seemingly cruel practice of killing healthy young lions. Oh. Uh... People contacted Boris Durpark near Gutenberg, which openly admits and explains its euthanasia or culling practice. In Boris Zoo, we have euthanized nine young surplus lions since 2013 for uh, population management. These lions were not cubs, but sub-adults around one and a half to two years old, which had to leave their family unit because of group aggressions and other welfare reasons. These animals were unfortunately not possible to relocate within the community, states the zoo's press release. We use translocation, contraception, and euthanasia of surplus animals as population management tools, writes uh, CEO Bohr Kelson. In accordance with animal welfare, our animals should be able to express all natural behaviors possible, including breeding and the caring of offspring. Euthanasia is our last choice when all other potential solutions are proven impossible. We follow the European Association of Zoos and Aquaria Code of Ethics and the culling statement, which are also reflected in the uh, uh, World Association of Zoos and Aquariums policy for the same issue. Mm. Why didn't they ship them to a, a game farm in Africa? Because here's the question. Mm-hmm. What's better? Having uh, four wealthy big game hunters track them around and dropping a hundred grand in some country that needs the that needs the the money from each of those hunters or killing them for no reason. This, this benefited no one. I like your first option. This benefited no one. So the next time you want to stand outside a, a dentist's office, and exercise your own virtue. Why don't you remember this story from the Swedish zoo, where they uh, got rid of nine uh, sub-adult lions yeah. since 2013? Seems like that there would be another option. They just didn't want to put the work in, or what? They're probably working on a budget. I understand that, but wouldn't there be? Yeah, wouldn't there, the big game farm say? 
You got Cubs? No, they're, they're hiding behind their ethics now. They're hiding behind the idea that uh, our rules of the Easter, uh, European uh, zoo uh, group, whatever the hell they are, uh, we we call according to the terms of the uh, culling agreement. And, you know, uh, why don't you take them to Africa and let people hunt them? Let them be free. And if they get hunted, they get hunted. Well, what's what's more productive for humans? Letting them be hunted right. by rich guys who are going to pay guides and buy food. and right. and Good for uh, the economy. Uh, whatever. All right. That's the first. Windmilling. That's the first. This windmilling thing alert. Do we have a windmill alert? Pot smokers, beware. The northern spotted owl is circling California's newly legalized marijuana market. A study led by the University of California Davis researchers in release Thursday found that two owl species, and you know I'm pro-owl. You're big, you're big time into owls. Uh, two owl species, the northern spotted owl and barred owl, are being exposed to high levels of rat poison from illegal marijuana grows in northern California. Hmm. The problem is expected uh, to intensify in the wake of California's Proposition 64 passed in 2016, which legalizes recreational marijuana. So so here you've got you know, to keep the varmints away from the pot plants. They spread out rat poison that the poor owls eat. Is that windmilling? Uh, All uh, you yes. hippies that, who need to smoke dope, you love your owls while you're killing them. That's rather harsh, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I thought uh, owls would be smarter than that. I wonder why they're eating the pellets. Aren't they carnivores? Uh, I don't, let's see. Nature, I guess we can't figure out The marijuana growers use poison to control rodents, the primary food source of the owls. So maybe they're eating the rodents, which have just consumed some poison. Okay. Uh, Previous research by UC Davis faculty member Murad Gabriel found that fishers, a weasel-like mammal, were being wiped out by the rat poison. Uh, in Humboldt County, researchers estimated the number of marijuana farms at 4,500 to 15,000. Wow. Even though the county has received permit applications for a small fraction. Okay. Think of that the next time you take a, have a joint and then eat a loaf of Wonder Bread. You just, you just <laughs> killed some owls. Yes. I'm right. glad I'm not in that game. No. Used to be. But... <laughs> <clears throat> Offsite correspondent Jordy mm-hmm. notes or found or linked me to Facebook event calls for people to dress up like birds and run into the U.S. Bank Stadium on February 2nd. Not what? run into it like run inside. Run into it run- as though a bird hitting the glass. Okay, so somebody just runs up to it and... Yep. Uh, On Tuesday night, Colin Ryan created a Facebook event called Dress Up Like a Bird and Run Into the Glass at U.S. Bank Stadium. Less than two days later, the event has 6,500 people who are attending and more than 770 who say they are going in hundreds of comments from football fans and bird enthusiasts alike. Okay. Uh, a lively discussion on the page suggests some people think it's a joke, while others believe it's real and are busy planning which bird species they'll be. If it's such a problem, why don't they just let those birds run into the stadium themselves? Wouldn't, oh. wouldn't they be dropping like flies oh, left and right? You're walking knee deep through uh, 
through dead birds. Or I hope they don't embarrass uh, mm-hmm. the, the state by doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, Jordy, he's an off-site correspondent. Yep. He's going. Oh, he's going to go? He's going. I wonder what he's going to dress up well, as. I can tell you, he, he, he provided us that information. He's going as a, uh, uh, where did I put his email? He's going as a therapy chicken. <laughs> Good luck. And he says he'll be on the lookout for the pelican. That would be me. Well, I'm right. But you, you currently don't have plans to go. I wonder what what slipped in your neurons that you'd actually consider dressing up like a bird and then running into the glass mm. at U.S. Bank Stadium. Where security is going to be rather high, obviously. I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you could. Feb uh, 2nd. That's only two days before the big game. Yeah, that's. Right? Well, that's, the big that's game Friday. is Sunday, Feb 4. Right. So this is Friday, Feb 2. Right. Uh, will they even be allowed to do that? I, to I get doubt, close? I doubt they'll even get close. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, uh, bird people. Especially if you're in a bird outfit. You can't really claim I'm the mascot for the team. I wonder no. how many of these fruitcakes who are worried about the birds have ever brought birds back to life. Bet you not many. I, on the other hand, have rescued plenty of birds. Just a minute. Okay, just a minute. I got to get this. All right, I have to organize something. Uh, I can now anyway, based on the clock. Just a moment. Uh, okay. You can take Charlie before the bird. Charlie? Joseph? Yes? The bird building bumper people. Dressing up like birds to run into the building? Yes. Can't get through the security uh, circle of two and a half blocks if you don't have a Super Bowl ticket. That's true. Thank you, Charlie. Aha, uh-huh. yeah. the bumper. Uh, just a minute. Okay. I gotta hear the chorus. You have to. Because that's what everybody's going for today. What you need, brah? The uh, Save Lake Calhoun group is not giving up. A group of Minneapolis residents filed legal action this week to prevent changing the name of Calhoun to Bidet Makaska, Bidet Makaska. At the same time, legislators from Minneapolis issued a letter urging the State Department of Natural Resources Commissioner to ratify the new name in order to enhance local understanding of American Indian history. Uh, Okay. Uh, Eric Cardall, attorney for Save Lake Calhoun, said the board didn't have the authority to recommend a change if the lake name in question had been used for more than 40 years. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. But what difference does it make? Uh... This Cardall and the and the group of residents can put up a good fight, but they're up against virtue. They're up against we're we're more virtuous than you are. We don't give a damn about the rules. Moreover, Cardall said the fact that the Minneapolis Park and Rec Board has already added Bidet Makaskata signs around the lake eliminates the need to change the name. And he added that here's the key. I've always thought this is the key. Okay. And we were we were alerted to this by a former DNR employee who called us one day. Mm-hmm. Here's the key. Uh, Cardall in, uh, 
added that in in improving that in approving the name change, the county board gave no factual basis for the change or any rationale as to why it would be in anyone's best interest. That's that's exactly right. There's no case. Now, if the DNR signs off on it, it goes to the Geographic Board of Names at the federal level, and I see no reason why they wouldn't acquiesce to the wishes of the virtuous people here. Right. But there's no case. It's based totally on whimsy. Why do they overlook that? Because it just and, and it the fits only, the... The only case that could be made, the only case that could be made is that, uh, you know, for 200 years we've been humiliated uh, by a lake name that was assigned uh, specifically because uh, John C. Calhoun... Uh, was a proponent of slavery. It was named for him specifically for that reason. Well, of course, that wasn't the reason it was named for him. So there's no case. The only, there, well, I, I was going to repeat myself. There's no case. Uh, members of the Lake of Save Lake Calhoun raised these issues with the county board and they set them aside, Cardall said. A representative from the DNR was at the meeting when the name was approved and said the board was in compliance with state law. We are calling out this sham. Uh, well, good luck to the to the gang, but the, they're, they're, they're up against it. And they're not meeting any resistance. They just, this group is just going full fo- force into it. And won't be stopped. And if they if they get a no, they complain, and then they just keep going, taking their steps further. I hope Cardall uh, is not too late in driving home the point that none of these government entities have stated a case for the name change. That 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 should have been on the front burner from the get go. Yeah, they can't overlook that. Uh, the Hennepin County Board has no case. The Minneapolis Park and Recreation Board has no case. The DNR has no case. When it gets to the federal level, they'll have no case because no case is available. No case has been uh, made evident because there isn't one. Uh, Indians who once lived along the lake called it Bidet Makaska, but federal surveyors in the early 1800s renamed it for U.S. Secretary of War John Calhoun, who had sent them to the area to prepare for Fort Snelling's construction. We know all this. Calhoun went on to become vice president and a U.S. senator and was an outspoken supporter of slavery, which is inconvenient to modern sensibilities, but he was no different than any other politician at the time, especially from the Carolinas. You know what they don't have, Matt? What don't they have? They don't have a case. They don't have a case? And when is somebody going to point that out to them? They don't have a case. It's a ray of hope that the people around Lake Calhoun... uh, Well, I was going to say, I don't know their political leanings... Uh, but this is this has been eye-opening to them, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, somebody will point that out to them, correct? Well, it's, when, it's when, been pointed out. They've been taking out ads in the paper, and they've been rallying their troops, and uh, they've got an attorney, and he's making the right case. I just, I don't know if they have time. I don't know if they have time to overturn what is, you know what it was, essentially? Mm. A, 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 a decree from the salon. Uh, let's uh, let's let's yeah. get this done. It was a decree from the salon. We we find it untoward that uh, the name obviously was named for a man who favored slavery. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You can't prove that. You don't have a case. Hmm. Uh, I would be surprised 
uh, if Lake Calhoun uh, survives the name. I, I would be I would be very surprised if the name survives because I don't think anyone cares about the law when they when the ruling from the salon is so ripe with the virtue you can demonstrate. Well, why do they care if they missed a few uh, few sentences in the uh, bylaws about how they're supposed to go about their business? We stand above that. It's more important for us to recognize our Native American culture than it is for us to follow the laws that have been put in place. I would have bet. I would have bet large sums of money if I had that. That there's no way this would have been changed when, really? it, when it when it's when it started. I thought no, really, they can't. Then you know what? Me thinks you've been misreading the political landscape in Minneapolis. Well, I know, and I know that it's uh, euphoria over there. But I just thought in the beginning, this is going to go away. Too. Well, true. It's uh, we're surrounded. Garage Logic is surrounded by euphoria. Liberal Lakes, Diversityville. Gumption County is a is a a, a, a bulwark in the in the mm. middle of of God knows what. But in Gumption County, in order to change the name uh, of Spoon Lake, for example, you'd have to make a case. And was that named after Warren Spoon or just a spoon? Uh, just a spoon. Okay, just a spoon. Got it. Gotcha. I don't know why. I think Greg uh, named it that. Uh, gotcha. You know that's what's in the, the shape of a spoon. That's what the podcast is going to be about after the show when we go do one. Oh, Spoon Lake. No, we're going to do a podcast on the uh, geography of uh, ah. Garage Logic in okay. Gumption County. We'll be back in just a moment. Commencing Garage Logic segment number eight. Here's Chris Reavers in the newsroom. Thank you, Joe. And this report is brought to you by Fratelloni's Ace Hardware Garden Stores, proud sponsors of the beer show Thursday nights on 1500 ESPN. Speaking of which, uh, really quick, Mike yeah. and I uh, talked to a young man from Duluth, Joe, yes. who is on the 2018 Olympic curling team. Oh, boy. Who owns a liquor store well, in that, Duluth. That's a, okay. There's your curling member right there. Right. That's, that's a good one. Let's was, have his liver tested after he uh, checks out in you know, 70 <laughs> no, years. No, those guys take it very seriously. Well, that and his... What, the his, drinking or the curling? The curling. His folks owned the Duluth Curling Club. Which oh. I have played hockey in. You're kidding. No, and the wind off the lake blew right through the cracks in the walls. Oh, oh. wow. He was yeah. really cool. That yeah. was a, it was oh, a fun Duluth interview. Duluth Curling Club. Yeah, it was right on the lake. Oh. Right on the lake. Why... I, I've never been inside, so it's obviously a giant Does it place. Does still exist? Yes. I don't even know. Yes. I, would, I would guess For so. hockey, it's been was replaced this, by the, uh, whatever the that's called in Duluth. Yeah. Oh, the deck. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Vikings continue to prepare for their divisional round matchup this Sunday at home against uh, the New Orleans Saints. Rook, I'm going to need the news cut button, but Got I it. forgot to tell you that ahead of time. Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen, he was a guest this morning on the Golick and Wingo show. He discussed how both he and quarterback Case Keenum rallied together as undrafted players in the league. Yeah, you know, it definitely helps. Um, I think, uh, we, like you said, we know we know where each other has come from. We know uh, the struggle of, of uh, going undrafted um, and, and not getting those opportunities. So I think we both, uh, we both we never take anything for granted. We, we know that we know that this it can be taken away from us very quickly, and we know how hard it uh, was to get here. So we're going to keep working, keep getting better, and, and keep trying to be the best football players we possibly can be. Why last year did we have at least two or three Zimmer cuts a week, and we, we played it under a bed of uh, lounge music, mm-hmm. and this year we have never had a Zimmer cut? Or if we have, it's been extremely rare. I want an answer to that. 
I think he'd have to take that up with the news director when he gets back. He usually speaks, uh, was it Wednesday he's well, got so his press what? conference? He, whatever he did last year, we had the cuts. I think we right. had him on Monday, though, didn't we? Yeah, you're right. The day after press conference was usually Monday. Um, I, I, I can't answer that. I don't know why, John. Maybe he's not saying anything that John, who has his news instinct, sees that as newsworthy. Well, That's not the point. We did have the cut of him, and maybe this was played in your absence, but we had the cut of him a few weeks ago talking about the thing he likes about Case was the size of the swimsuit area. Remember that right. one? I don't. He's got the big ones? I don't. I, uh, I, I want more Zimmer cuts. Okay. And the music that goes with them. Yeah, we haven't used I can just play music. old ones from last year, no. maybe, and just run the music. No. <laughs> Vikings are currently... Well, for old time's sake, would you give me one? Yeah, I will. All I right. can do that. Let me, right. uh, give me some time here. Yeah. Uh, Vikings are currently a five-point favorite over the Saints. Kickoff from U.S. Bank Stadium is at 340 on Sunday. 340 to 640 is... She'll get over with about seven, given seven, that it's a yeah, national, yeah. you know, the national game. There'll be yeah. more spots and whatnot. So I, I hope we have a chip on our shoulder. Um, you know, this is <laughs> this game isn't about Adrian Peterson. It's about the Vikings and, and the Saints. Uh, they've got a lot of uh, great That's offensive weapons, year. and it's you know, and he's a great player. But this isn't about this game isn't about Adrian Peterson. Okay, he's not on the team anymore. Oh. But that's that's uh, fitting because it was involving the Saints. Yeah, game one, mm -hmm. week one. I mean, this year. if you want. I feel good. I've, I've sat in that room, uh, you know, a lot, and uh, these guys have uh, have good conversation. That's what uh, I'm talking about. They've worked good together, and we've been mixing around the, uh, you know, the rotations quite a bit. I think that was one of the Kenny's better ideas. That is a yeah. very good bit. Uh, the Wolves have won 10 of their last 13 games, including seven straight at home. They host the Knicks this evening. Tip from Target Center is at 7 p.m. Government's Hockey, they host Michigan in a pair tonight and tomorrow. Government's Basketball host number five, Purdue, at 11. And the Twins have avoided arbitration with uh, Eduardo Escobar, Robbie Grossman, Ryan Presley, Erie Adrianza, and Trevor May. Kyle Gibson is the only player that remains unsigned. The deadline for arbitration passed around noon today. News notes from today. President Donald Trump today denied using certain language during a private meeting with lawmakers as fury spread over his comments about immigrants. But neither he nor the White House disputed the most controversial of his remarks, using the word bleephole to describe African nations and saying he would prefer immigrants from countries like Norway instead. Trump's comments came during an Oval Office meeting where he questioned why the U.S. would accept more immigrants from Haiti and countries in Africa as he rejected a bipartisan immigration deal, according to People Brief. Hey, that's racist. That one right there, you're, that's, that, that's that has some, okay. Yeah. The language used by me at the DACA meetings was tough, but this was not the language used, Trump insisted in a series of Friday morning tweets. What was really tough was the outlandish proposal made a big setback for DACA, but Senator Dick Durbin, the only Democrat in the room, disputed the president's account. He said these hate-filled things and said them repeatedly, Durbin said. He also added when the question was asked about Haitians, he said, Haitians, do we really need more Haitians? Trump took particular issue with the characterization of his comments. Bill Stein, our friend up in Aiken, <clears throat> mm -hmm. has spent a lot of time working uh, as a volunteer dentist in Haiti. Right. And he emailed me today, and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's not happy. With, Got it. Uh, the president's remarks. Gotcha. Nor should he be. Mm -hmm. He loves the Haitian people, and they apparently love him. Stein, I mean. Right. A man once imprisoned for a Minnesota homicide has been sentenced to life for a Nebraska killing. 
Court records say the sentence was handed down today to 32-year-old Tyreek Leslie of Omaha. Early last month, a Douglas County jury in Omaha found him guilty of first-degree murder and four other crimes. Prosecutors say that he killed Suzanne Pope and injured her fiancé, Curtis Goodwin, back in October of 2016. He'd used a gun to gain access to their house, apparently to rob them. Authorities say Leslie was sent to a Minnesota prison after pleading guilty in a 2010 to unintentional felony murder in Minneapolis. He was paroled back in April of 2015. You know, I think it's virtually written in stone that Oprah will start measuring the Oval Office for drapes, as they say. Mm -hmm. She better never, ever, ever lecture anybody about global warming. Did you see her picture of her house? And for all I know, she got 10 homes. Did you see the one in Montecito? That's no. a nice, nice deal. I mean, it's, she got mud all over it, but it's a nice place, yeah. That has to require, and I'm not exaggerating, that has to require as much power as maybe a small town in Kansas. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to take her BS if I ever <laughs> How big is it anyway? It's really big. Okay. It's gorgeous. What, I, and where is it, Joe? Where Montecito. I don't think she's slumming in, in uh, Chicago, wherever her other house is. Yeah, but then... At least Trump with Mar-a-Lago, which is an ostentatious Denny Hecker right. type place. Right. <laughs> uh, at least he's not bitching at me about global warming. He has no credit. He he can't, and she can't either. Every time you say that, all I think about is the Elvis statue with oh, Denny. God. <laughs> A high school north of Phoenix was put on lockdown for several hours as authorities rescued four bobcats from a drainage pipe. Deer Valley Unified School District officials say a mother bobcat and her three babies apparently fell into the pipe on campus near the cafeteria. Students at Boulder Creek High School uh, were kept in their classrooms uh, as the game and fish tranquilized the mother bobcat and got the force safely out of the pipe. School officials say the lockdown ended before noon. Uh, you guys are familiar with the phrase, don't eat the yellow snow, correct? Yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that a uh, Frank Zappa song? Well, it meant uh, don't eat because a dog might have peed there, right? Right, right. Yeah. Well, much of the snow in the city of Tamitra in central Kazakhstan mm-hmm. is black. I don't doubt it. Instead of the uh, usual white powder that children love to play with, the snow looks more like coal after a mysterious dark dust settled on the city in the beginning of January. Huh. Many residents worried about their health took to social media to call on the government to investigate the incident. We can't live like this. We're suffocating here, wrote one user. A special group of scientists made up of both independent ecologists and government experts is working to identify the causes. Uh, The city is the center of Kazakhstan's iron industry and the home to the country's biggest steel production. Uh, many, Many there believe that pollution from the complex is what turned the snow black. In 2016 alone... Nearly 600,000 tons of harmful substances released into the air, according to a statistics committee employed. Told you guys this before. You're too young to know this because you've benefited from heightened environmental consciousness raising. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never had black snow in the Twin Cities, but we could get some some color in the snow from the, uh, uh, what the hell was it? It was a a, re, a coal plant or something on uh, oh about where Gabe's is now out that way on okay. uh, yeah. Como sure. and yeah. Lexington out mm-hmm. that way and uh, I did uh, not know this. No, it was way before your time. Oh. But the snow could be a little a uh, little gray. Sure, Ooh, a little gray. Remember, hey, we were, had to be worried about acid rain. I think in the uh, uh, we're all right. You late seventies or eighties. Okay. One more quick one because I know this is our last uh, news segment for the day. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about the story uh, over in Oak Grove? I have not. Snow blankets and a hockey skate lace were all part of a baby boy's birth in Oak Grove yesterday morning. Our TV affiliate, KAAL, 
KAAL TV reports that 34 year old Nicole Howard began began having contractions oh, no. at her Oak Grove home at midnight Thursday. Although her official due date was January 19th, uh, she woke her husband Kyle, deciding it was time to go to the hospital. As they were preparing to leave, her water broke outside their home. She says, Kyle asked what he should do. I told him to call 911 and the baby was coming. He ran to his truck, got a flashlight, and laid out blankets and towels down for me. Kyle was on the phone with the emergency operator, giving her their address. People were on the way. He used the hockey skate lace to tie the umbilical cord after the baby was born. Well, nice job, go. hockey. He, it all comes back to hockey. He did what he had to do. He was good in the room. Yep. You learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. We're up to two degrees above zero. That's probably going to be pretty much the high for the day. We may eke up another degree or so, but uh, temperatures drop to 12 below tonight. The winds are going to settle down to about five miles per hour. So wind chills through this evening at least 15 to 25 below zero. And then tomorrow, cold sunshine with highs up to around four above. We'll have wind chills of 0 to 5 below. Not much wind again. West to northwest winds less than 5 miles per hour. Saturday night down to 7 below. Sunday clouds increase quickly, and we have a chance of snow developing in the afternoon through the evening. 2 to 4 inches of accumulation of that fluffy snow possible through Sunday night. Could be a little bit of an issue for folks trying to get out to the um, U.S. Bank Stadium at around 3.40 when game time starts, and we should see that snow start sometime around the lunch hour and then last all the way through about 9 or 10 p.m., and again, two to four inches of fluffy accumulation are possible. Monday, downright cold, one below for the high. Wind chills probably in that 15 to 30 below range all day long, uh, getting down to about 38 below for the wind chills by Monday evening. Tuesday's high zero, but then it jumps up to 18 on Wednesday, 24 on Thursday, up to 30 a week from today. A nice little um, thaw comes our way again by late next week. It but looks I'm, gorgeous out right now. Uh, it's sunny and clear. It's just cold, huh? It's just cold. It's yeah. too above. Uh, right now, we're looking at uh, temperatures staying in the teens below zero for overnight lows tonight, down to about 12 below. And I've got the records for the day, Joe. January 12. 48 on this date. 48. In 1987. In 1987. 31 below zero. 31 below. In 1912. Woo! In 1912. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. 1912 was the year the Duluth Curling Club was built at 1338 London Road. I got a note from Scott who says, like you, I played hockey in the old Duluth Curling Club. It also hosted roller skating and circuses and other events. Along with hockey and curling, it no longer stands, nor has it stood for years. It was lost to a fire in 1984. Huh. But But curling still stands up in Duluth. Well, they must have a modern center. I would love to play Oompa Quiz with you uh, on this, and I can't because it would be unfair. Because, again, uh, you're too young. Get it right away? You're too young. Let's try me. No, you wouldn't get it. I'm uh, I'm pretty mature. All right. We lost Doreen Tracy at the age of 74. Uh, She would have been right from my wheelhouse of television watching as a youth. I'll have to give you really good clues. Anything to do with soupy sales? Nope. Uh, she died from pneumonia in Thousand Oaks, California, on January 10. Uh, she was 74. Uh, she went on. She Now, she was a child star mm. and uh, an original blank. An original blank. Little rascal. Nope. Uh, we can't play this game with you. You're too young. She was an original Mickey Mouse Mouseketeer. That was the next thing out of my mouth. Really? Because I was thinking of Annette Funicello. She, uh, she... 
appeared on the Disney series when it aired for four years, 1955 to 59, on ABC. Okay. She auditioned for the Mickey Mouse Club at age 12. While being a Mouseketeer, Tracy uh, uh, appeared in the Disney film Westward Ho! The Wagon. She had a role in the Mickey Mouse Club serial titled Annette. She also toured in Australia with the Mouseketeers. And she what remained. What did they do? Well, they were, you know, they danced and sang. Is that out there? Tracy remained close. M I C K E Y M O U S. It's a one hit wonder, right? Then they'd send you to Spin and Marty or a cartoon okay. or whatever. Uh, she remained close with other Mouseketeers. She co starred with them in multiple Mickey Mouse Club reunion shows at Disneyland and at Disney conventions. Uh, after the Disney show ended, she had guest starring roles on multiple episodic television shows and toured American military bases in Thailand and South Vietnam with an original act. Hmm. Uh, she then transitioned to working as a publicist for musicians and composer Frank Zappa, huh. uh, whose name has come up before on the show today. Yeah. And she had a multi-decade administration career at Warner Brothers. Okay. Uh, she was born in London, England. I did not know that. I had a nice I, run. I thought all our Mouseketeers had to be uh, natives. But uh, Doreen, an original, we've lost her. May she rest in peace. 1500 ESPN presents 52 Super Stories leading up to the big game. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Here's Patrick Royce. Number two on my list of the Great Eight Super Bowls was the 47th that played a decade ago on February 3rd, 2008 in Glendale, Arizona. New York Giants 17, New England 14. When it came to up and down action, this wasn't much, but when it came to surprise and drama, it was hard to beat. As the Patriots were going for an unbeaten 19-0 season and were 12-point favorites against the wildcard Giants. The foundation for this monumental upset actually had been established six weeks earlier when Giants coach Tom Coughlin had decided to play the Patriots all out in the regular season finale, even though it wasn't going to impact the Giants' position as the fifth seed in the NFC playoffs. Coughlin wasn't going to hand the Patriots an unbeaten regular season. The Giants lost 38-35, but Coughlin said, there is nothing but positives. I don't know any better way to be prepared for the playoffs than to go against a team that was 15-0. The Giants then went on the road for three playoff games and won at Tampa Bay, upset number one seed Dallas, when Tony Romo, yes, the uh, very red-hot announcer who can criticize a lot of people, threw a game-ending interception in the end zone, and then they won that game in Green Bay, the minus 24 degree windshield in Green Bay, an overtime game that Lawrence Tynes won with a 47-yard field goal. Patriots stayed in Foxborough and uh, defeated Jacksonville and San Diego. Lost in the pregame Patriots frenzy was this. The Giants had an outstanding defense that included Michael Strahan playing in his last season. And they also had a 10-game winning streak in road games that they took into the Super Bowl. The Giants stifled Brady and was only 7-3. Patriots entering the fourth. David Tyree caught a five-yard touchdown pass to put the Giants Giants ahead, and then Randy Moss caught a six-yard touchdown pass to put the Patriots back ahead 14-10. Brady throws, Moss, touchdown! The Giants started at their 17 with 2.39 left, and the game was almost over as three pats stormed toward Eli Manning on third down at the Giants' 44 with a minute left. They had two fistful of Manning's jersey when he escaped and lofted a pass toward midfield, and here's what happened. Eli Manning stays on his feet, airs it out down the field. 
It is caught by Tyree. Tyree's 32-yard catch remains probably the most famous play in Super Bowl history. Five plays later, Manning found Plaxico Burris for a 13-yard touchdown, and a 17-14 upset was soon complete and marked down to the Giants' noble effort in the regular season finale. 52 Super Stories continues next week. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And for more details on Super Bowl 52 coming to the Twin Cities in 2018, Sign up for the host committee email at mnsuperbowl.com. The Sands is proud to present a wonderful new show, A Man and His Music. The music of Count Basie and his great band... And the man is Joe Suchere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, huh? You know. Am I on the air? Let's get it. Let's get it. Forgot about that. I gotta do that, don't we? How did all these people get in my room? <laughs> That good. was crystal, crystal that was pretty, pretty good. Come fly with me, we'll fly, we'll fly away. All right, uh, cold weekend, but uh, Wilder home, the Timberwolves are home, and the Vikings continue the march to the Super Bowl. Yes, sir. Which can't be a march unless they defeat New Orleans on Sunday. Well, then let's just do it. At 3.40 to get to the NFC title game the following week. 1500 ESPN is KSTP St. Paul, Minneapolis. It's zero. But look at it this way. It's a sunny zero. 